Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Now let me ask you something, church. How you doing this morning? How, how happy are you this morning? Now listen, what took place yesterday was unacceptable. The Vols losing to Arkansas on a Saturday like that, it's hard for us to rebound after such a thing, isn't it? But I tell you what, what's amazing is, and what is so good, is for us to gather together, to be reminded collectively this morning, what is the most important today? What is, what is of greatest consequence today? is Jesus and Jesus alone. You know, um, growing up, Mama, yeah, Mama, you back there, I see you back there, uh, she used to tell us this. Now, now, kids, don't y'all talk religion or politics, right? Because it just gets everybody mad. Well, as a pastor of the church, and this is my pulpit, I'm going to take just a couple minutes to do just that. You know, after a week like this, uh, there has been so many questions you got half the country today who are happy and celebrating and half the country that are mad as hornets. That's what politics does. And you know, one of the questions that I've had asked my way many times this past week, long before the consequences of even yesterday, was, hey, Ithi, what do we do? In the midst of so much uncertainty, the unknown and, and the fear, well, what do we do? And as I begin to think about this question, it kind of weighed on me all this week. There is one passage of scripture that has dominated the landscape of my mind all week. And we've studied it in this sermon series. Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, and I got to thinking about that passage where we spent so much time. And I began to think that, you know, no matter what happens, our mission remains clear, doesn't it? That we are to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to a lost and dying world. Whatever happens, it is still important that we remember what matters most, and that is his kingdom and not ours. That whatever happens... Together, we will continue to make much of Jesus. Well, Pastor Anthony, in this political climate, what if I'm, what if I'm scared? You know, Paul would talk to Timothy about fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7, and he would say this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But hey, Pastor Anthony, what if I'm a little bit worried? In this time, well, it just so happens we've spent 24 sermons in the happiest book of the Bible that teaches us, as Paul would write in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, hey, if he, what if I'm part of the country today that's just a little upset, I, I'm a little mad, I'm a little disappointed. Man, I, just a couple weeks ago, we read, as Paul would write, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
And so church family, hear me. It is okay for us to be involved and engaged in our citizenship here on earth, and I encourage you to be so. It is okay to be passionate. It's okay to be a proud American. I am. It is okay to love your country and to seek liberty and justice for all. But at the end of the day, at the end of an election, we are keenly aware, and for some of us we are painfully aware, of this joyous and transcendent truth found in Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. So here's my final religion and politics talk for the morning. There ought to be one people on the face of this planet that ought to have enough sense in them to not be shaken or overtaken. And that is the church. Because whatever happens, we are going to continue to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we dive into your word today, God, we thank you for an opportunity like this. The greatest nation on the planet with the greatest freedoms to come together making much of you because of the sacrifice of so many veterans like we've celebrated here today. And so, Father, would you be honored and glorified in our time? Would you accept our thanks? In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody okay? Check on your neighbor. Make sure they're okay this morning. All right, everybody good? Hey, listen, in 1965, a southern gospel group came out with a song that was powerful to say the least and and here's kind of the chorus and maybe you can help me finish this you ready he goes and I tried and I tried and I tried I can't get no how about no southern gospel group that was the Rolling Stones you bunch of pagans how do you know that song hey no listen listen I can't get no satisfaction listen that song dominated the 1960s and here's what amazes me if there were ever a group of men who in the eyes of the world seemingly had everything they could ever want. They had the money. They had the power. They had the popularity. They had all the women they could want. They had all the alcohol and drugs that they could want. And yet the anthem of their lives is, I can't get no satisfaction. I tried. Listen, I tried. And I tried. And I tried some more. And I can't get no satisfaction satisfaction, an anthem of discontent because nowhere could they find what would bring them contentment in this life. Now, I think of that and I go, you know what, that's not surprising to me because here's where I've been convinced. We are message 24 out of 25 in our Philippians study. And you know what I'm still convinced of today? That when Jesus is at the center of my joy, when Jesus is my greatest joy, I am the happiest I could be in this life. And guess what? You are too. So I'm not surprised at a song like that. But today, I want us to do something together. I want us to pull off a Band-Aid that's been covering a wound that many of us suffer from. That wound is discontentment. 
Hey, many today suffer a lack of joy. Many of us suffer a lack of satisfaction, a lack of being content. Here's the truth. Many of us are chasing contentment and we're coming up empty-handed. In the Greek language, the language of the New Testament, the word content that we're going to find in today's scripture simply means this, to be filled or to be satisfied. And even in the church, there are a lot of folks who aren't filled and who aren't satisfied. And so as we take a look here at Philippians, I want us to look at this text, and I want us to learn from Paul what it is to catch hold of contentment. Hey, by the way, don't you feel like it's been pretty fitting that we've spent 24 weeks in a book, the happiest book of the Bible, and just maybe God had ordained today that we talked about contentment? and all that's going on. Take your Bibles, open up to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Listen to what Paul writes. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but had no opportunity to share it. And jump on down to verse 14. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Now, we get a picture here of Paul's contentment in the Word. We find that this contentment was encouraged. It was energized by folks of the Philippian church who showed concern for him, who cared for him, and who had compassion on him. Hey, hey, listen, you ready? Doesn't it feel good when someone who doesn't have to shows concern for you, shows care for you, has compassion on you? The Philippian church didn't have to, but they did. Because they love Paul. Now, I, I want to share something really unique about this church, and that is, is that the Philippian church moved far beyond just showing up for church. They, they moved far beyond just going to church. And what we see here in Philippians chapter 4 is that they were busy being the church. And I want you to hear me. There is a contentment that is found when you and I stop just going to church. And we start being the church. All the contentment that is found when we show concern and care and compassion for other people. And I want to remind you, church, that as a church, we must be concerned, we must care, we must have compassion for those that are a part of Connect Church and everyone who isn't. We ought to have care, concern, and compassion for everyone within these walls and for everyone outside of these walls. We ought to have concern and care and compassion for those who don't sing, for those of us who sing our songs, who believe our book, who read our book with a capital B, and those who believe the truth. And we ought to have that same care and concern and compassion for those who do not sing our songs, those who do not read our book, and those who do not believe truth. Yeah, I love what William Tyndale said. He said this, the church is the one institution that exists for those who are outside of it. Isn't that good? For those who are outside of it. Now, as we continue on in Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 12, and here's what we're going to find. Paul speaks to his secret of contentment. Look at verse 12. He says this, that I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, 
whether living in plenty or living in want. Here is where, church, you ready? We find the not-so-secret now contentment in Paul's letter. Why do I call it not-so-secret? It's because Paul gives us insight. He lets the proverbial cat out of the bag, right? He shines light on his secret to contentment here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. I'll tell you, one of my favorite games growing up as a kid is Connect Four. And really, it's a simple game, right? You take colored, checkered pieces, and you drop them in these slots, and your number one goal is to line up four in a row of your colored pieces before your opponent does. You can line them up straight up and down. You can line them up in a row. You can line them up diagonally. But the goal of the game is to do so before your opponent does. And here's what we're going to do today. In the text, we're going to begin looking at the four not-so-secret teachings of contentment that Paul shares with us in the text today. And there you and I are going to uncover, we're going to unlock what it is for you and I to leave this place content in our faith in Jesus. Now, we've already shared the first one, right? The first secret to contentment is not just going to church, but being to church. But we're going to begin to uncover even more not-so-secrets. And here's the second one. You ready? The not-so-secret of contentment number two is be careful with the craving of more. Be careful with the craving of more. Look at verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, Paul writes, for I have learned whatever situation I am to be content, to be satisfied, to be filled. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Hey, can I share with you, church, we ought to be careful, always wanting and desiring to have more money, to have more stuff, to have more notoriety. Not all of these things are bad, and we know that. But when we crave these things, and we make these things the most important pursuits of our lives, we're in trouble. Think of what Jesus said, and he said it best in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He writes this, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his or her possessions. Be careful with the craving. Of more. The millionaire John D. Rockefeller was asked this question How much money is enough money for you? And you know what his response was after he thought? Just one more dollar. One more dollar. You know, the truth is, is that you and I must guard against the craving of our sin nature, of our culture, the craving. Of more, And I want to make this statement, you ready? If you and I are not content in Christ, we will never be content with anyone or anything else. We will always be chasing contentment, never to catch hold of it in this life. And I guess the question I have for us this morning is, is what are you craving more of? Do you crave more money? Do you crave more stuff? Do you crave more attention? Do you crave a better title, a better position? What is it that you truly crave in this life? And let me counter that question with another. What if Jesus was the greatest craving of our hearts and our lives? 
What, what, is, what if he was the one we crave the most in this life? You see, the not-so-secret contentment to contentment is for you and I to be careful with the craving of more. What's the third not-so-secret to contentment that we're going to study about today? And here it is. You ready? The third not-so-secret contentment is to be thankful for what you have. I love this quote. Discontentment makes a rich man poor, while contentment makes a poor man rich. I've heard it said this way. When you think about what you want and you look at what you have, you always walk away discontented. But when you think about what you deserve, and let's just talk about this on a spiritual level, death, hell, the grave, when you think about what you deserve, you look at what you have, you always walk away contented. We must be thankful for what we have. The author of Hebrews writes this in Hebrews 13.5, keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with all you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I love what the author of Hebrews does here. It teaches us about where contentment is really sourced. You ready? Hey, church, the chase is over. Contentment is found in the promised presence of Jesus by faith in every believer's heart and life. Hey, you ready? If you can be thankful about nothing else, be thankful that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. Be content in his promise that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But here's my question this morning. But really, is that enough? Is Jesus enough for you? Really? Now, Sunday morning, a time like this, it's easy to say that. And a whole lot harder to say tomorrow morning. But you know what Paul convinces us here in the text? About these not-so-secrets to contentment. You know what he teaches us? If Jesus is all you have, then you have all you need. The third secret of being content is for you and I to be thankful for what we have in Christ. Be thankful for what we have in Jesus. And so now we go to number four. Remember, we're playing this game through the text here to find really what it is to be content. How do we win? How do we grab hold of what it is to be content? And here's number four. You ready? It's the culmination of contentment in the passage and here's what it says in Philippians 4.13. You ready? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I love this. Jesus and faith in him is the culmination of contentment. Paul would learn this many times over in his life and ministry. But there's one particular time where he faced suffering that he pleaded with God three times, take it away from me. And God said, no. It was in this moment of suffering that he learned a lot from Jesus about contentment. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, the great thorn in Paul's flesh in his side 
Jesus would speak into that suffering and say this to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, the scripture says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. On in verse 10, Paul would say this, for the sake of Christ then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Hey, you ready, church? You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And here we find the winning piece. In this pursuit, in this chasing after contentment. Not only are we to stop just going to church, but be the church. You and I have got to find ourselves at a place we have to be careful with the craving of more. We've got to be thankful for what we have, and if for nothing else, what we have in Jesus. And lastly, we recognize that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, I got to thinking about our study, and I wonder how many times Paul thought to himself this, I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it anymore. You know there had to be that thought at times coursing through his mind. Maybe after a particularly bad beating of which he suffered many. I wonder if he might have thought, you know, I just can't. I can't do this anymore. I wonder if after one of the times in his bout with hunger and thirst and cold, if he thought himself at one time where he was just really hungry, where he was really cold, if he thought out himself, I just can't do it anymore. Maybe as well he was sitting in a cold, dark prison, unjustly put there. I wonder if there was a time he cried out to God, I, I just don't know if I could do this anymore. I wonder if there were times where the words, the insults, the mockery, the name-calling were just too much for him. And he whispered in his soul, I just don't know if I can do it anymore. Have you ever been there in life? Have you ever thought that to yourself? I just don't know if I could do it anymore. And yet it seems here in the midst of this passage of Philippians chapter 4 that of the overflow of all the suffering and all the times he might have wondered, and I just don't know if I could do this anymore, that the Holy Spirit within him reminded him and shouted out in his soul, hey, Paul, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Think of all the times you've been at the point of, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. At the place of discontentment. And whether you are there now or you will be there again, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would remind you in the midst of your suffering. In fact, not just remind you, but shout out in your soul, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. John Piper once wrote this. He said, God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering. You ready? Here it is. God's universal purpose for all Christian suffering. More contentment in God and less satisfaction in this world. 
which let me remind you, is not our home. First Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes, but godless godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Are you there? Yesterday, we had a, a local mission day, and man, so many of you showed up to serve our community all across, all across Sevier County. Man, I loved it. A lot of your giving goes to days like this, renting the right equipment, getting the right things out there. We're so grateful. Well, I had a job yesterday, and mine was a solo job, except for I brought my little Chloe with me, a little six-year-old, because she wanted so bad to go to mission day. So she came with me, and my job was simple. There's a widow out in Boyd's Creek who has a really big yard, and it hadn't been mowed in a really long time. And so I got my lawn mowing rig. I got it all set up. And me and Chloe headed out towards Boyd's Creek. And there we got to spend time with a precious saint. If you can imagine with me, we knocked on the door. And here a black woman comes to the door. She's in her 60s or 70s, I dare not guess. One of the kindest and sweetest ladies I've had the joy of meeting. Went out there and cut a lawn that, listen... It took me two hours. I cut some parts of it four and five times just to get it down, right? Chloe was out there picking up trash, watching movies in between, picking up more trash. And then finally we got to a stopping place yesterday. I'm going to have to go back this week. And, and I had Chloe knock on the door, and here comes this precious lady. And I said, hey, listen, I, you know, before I go, I just want to know, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And she said, oh, yes, oh, yes. And she began to share her story about a husband she dearly loved that was a deacon at the Boyd's Creek Church of God. But six months after he retired, he died. She talked about losing grandchildren. And I said, well, hey, what can we pray with you about? How can Chloe and I pray for you today? And she began to break down and cry. You know, I'm so, so glad Chloe got to, to be there for this. And she began to weep, talking about how even it was 15 years ago her husband was gone, she still was hurting. That the thought of her grandkids lost was so heartbreaking. She talked about how hard it was to be alone in that home. She was heartbroken that she could no longer take care of her yard and her husband wasn't there to do it. And she just went on and on how this time of year was such a, 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 depre a depressing time of year. It was, just, it was just too hard for her. And man, we're listening to her and we're crying right alongside of her. But she said this, she said, but I want you to know, God has been so good to me. Just when I think I can't do it, and here's the words, God is my strength. And he's been so good to me. And through her tears, she reminded me of this truth. That I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to tell you what, church, if you and I can learn these four teachings, these not-so-secrets of contentment from Paul that, hey, I'm going to tell you something. 
for many of you, God is ready to move you from just going to church to be in the church. There's contentment found in concern for and care for and compassion on other people. That's, that's a piece of winning the prize of contentment. For many of us, we've not, we've not been too careful with the craving of more. We forget that if Jesus is all we have, then we have everything we need. For many of us, we fail to be thankful for what we have, and if for nothing else, and for Jesus. And lastly, in a world that is discontent, a world that instead of being filled is empty on the inside, in a world instead of being satisfied by Christ, can't get no satisfaction, that you and I, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. I read a story of a man by the name of Ali Hafed. He's a Persian man who owned an incredible farm. And on that farm, he had gardens. As far as the eye could see, he had everything he could ever want rivers and streams flowing through it. And honestly, as a wealthy man, he was content in what he had. Well, one day he had entertained a man who was coming through, and this man began to tell Ali of all the, the diamond mines that he had come across and began to talk about how beautiful and precious diamonds were and all the money that you could make by owning your own diamond mine. And so Ali Hafed, who was once a wealthy content man, went to bed that night a poor man because for the first time he was discontent. Well, the story goes that he went and he sold his precious farm in order that he could travel the world in search of diamond mines so that he could have even more wealth. And the story goes that he spent every bit of his money, every last dollar searching out diamonds that he never would hold in his hand. Well, the man who had purchased the farm from Ali Hafed was out on top of a camel riding through the property. He came up to one of the many streams on the property. And as the camel had bent down to take a drink, he noticed there in the sand of that stream bed a flickering of light. And he reached down in that stream bed and he grabbed hold of a, a rock. And as he held it up to the sun, it captured every hue of the rainbow. It was brilliant. And what he uncovered was the greatest diamond mine in all of history, the famed mine of Golconda, with some of the most beautiful diamonds ever unearthed. An incredible story for everyone but Ali Hafed. If he would have just stayed home and dug into his own garden, into his own stream. He would have uncovered acres and acres of mines full 
of the rarest, most expensive, and precious diamonds ever found on planet Earth. But here's what we take away. When you and I continue to want more and more of this world, you and I are less and less satisfied with what we have. You know, Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 41. I love his teaching. He says this in 21. Show me where your treasure is, and I will show you where your heart is. I want you to hear me, church. When Jesus is our greatest treasure, our hearts will be content. When our greatest treasure lies in anyone or anything else, our hearts will remain discontent. And you and I will spend out the rest of our days constantly chasing contentment, never to grab hold of it. And so you know what? May the anthem of your heart and life be that in Jesus, he's all that I have and he's everything I need. And may you not end the end of your days with this being your anthem. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried. But I can't get any satisfaction. Nothing has filled me. Nothing has made my heart content. Here's what we do, church. We get busy being the church and not just going to church. You ready? We find ourselves at the place today where we are careful of our craving for more. We are thankful for what we have, especially in Christ. And we remember, I miss a world that is so discontent and a life full of things we can't control. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do it all in Jesus. Now, I must tell you, there is one area of my life that I have discontentment. And I'm okay with it. In fact, I will see that I will have this discontentment until the day that Jesus comes for his church. Or by my death, Jesus comes for me. And that is the discontentment I have with the condition of people who are without Christ. I am content in Jesus, but I am discontented when I think about those without him. The reality of their life and their eternity without Jesus is overwhelming to me. Is unacceptable to me. And I just can't do nothing. I honestly believe that as a pastor, if I could harness the passion that this room collectively has for an election, and I can take that passion and I can turn it towards people who will spend an eternity forever separated from God, and I believe I could reach this world. Together we could reach every person with the gospel of Jesus Christ.
one part of my heart that remains discontent, but it does not leave me disengaged in the battle for souls. My discontentment does not leave me disheartened because I have good news for a world that needs Jesus. Max Lucado wrote this, and I close. When you arrive in heaven, I wonder if Jesus might say, because of you, others are here today. You want to meet them? You want to meet them? If there's any area of discontentment in your heart and life, may it be of those who don't know Jesus. Show concern and care and compassion on them. Enough so to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus with them. Hey, church, are you content this morning? Are you you lining things up right in your heart and your life? Are you winning this game of contentment? And do you at least have one area of discontentment that will lead you to not just showing up for church, but being a church? Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.